warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Do you like zombies? Do you like horror? Do you like comic books? Do you like science fiction? Do you play video games? Then you need to listen to A Little Dead Podcast. Your place for... Daryl, are you down there? Mom! I said when the basement door is closed, then the Fortress of Solitude is off limits. Are you talking to your little friends on the computer? Mom! They're not my little friends. I'm a grown man. Okay. Well, do you want some soup? I can make a bowl of soup and a nice glass of chocolate milk. Okay. I'll be up in a minute. So check out A Little Dead Podcast on iTunes and on our website at alittledead.com. A Little Dead Podcast. Your place for full frontal nerdity. the bone bat podcast where you can listen to steve and gord it's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore there's just one thing dude what's that you have to use so many cuss words the fuck are you talking about What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 55 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? I'm a little scared. Scared of what? I got a, I got a stank. I got a fridge stank. And I can't find it. There's something in my fridge that has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Really? Yeah. This yeah I don't know what it a- is. And every time I go into that fridge, it's like, oh, God, it's a little bit worse. And I'll... I'm doing that container roulette thing where, like, you open up two or three containers in there, you know, you peek in, and, and on one hand, you're hoping you find whatever it is, and the other hand, you're really hoping you don't, and I don't find it, and then I, you know, I, I get back to making a sandwich or cooking dinner or something, like, ah, oh, you know, it'll become obvious, I'll find it. I haven't found it. I'm growing more 
frightened by the day. So is it only when you open the fridge or is it near the fridge? It's near the fridge after I've opened it. It's definitely something that's happening in the refrigerator. Have you rolled out the fridge? Maybe there's like a, a piece of food that rolled under the fridge, like a hot dog the kids were eating, or maybe a dead mouse or something. Ooh. But it, I don't really smell it till I open the door to the fridge. Oh, okay. I don't think it's... I don't think it exists outside of that box. Right, but you you think you you would be able to locate that pretty quickly if it was in the fridge, which makes me think, okay, what else could there, you know, yeah. be close by? Maybe something like crawled inside of the. Can you get in a side panel like the interior of the wall of the fridge? No, I... but there's all those weird coils and shit in the back. If you ever looked at the back of the fridge, and it looks like a bunch of. There's like coiling tubes and wires and all kinds of odd stuff. Yeah, it looks like Dr. Frankenstein's laboratory back there. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, there's a like a couple of great big glass tubes that are popping and hissing with lightning arcing between them. You have those too? Yeah, yeah, it's a hell of a fridge. Keeps things cold, but... Uh... Oh, cold as hell, yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to reanimate something. Or maybe wow. I already have. Well, best of luck with the uh, dead critter sleuthing, man. Yeah. There's, Night there's of the living worse. giblets. <laughs> there's nothing worse than not knowing where the stink is coming from. No, oh, really. I'm sure I'll find it eventually. It's one of those things. You know what's going to happen. Does your fridge have that not-so-fresh feeling? <laughs> it does. Oh, God. So, anyway, uh, this yeah. week, a uh, little music we're checking out. We're listening to Metroid Metal off of their new EP expansion pack, which uh, was released recently. We had an opportunity to sit down with the band or stand up with the band and talk for a few minutes at PAX. So we have a pretty cool interview for you all. And we will be checking out a few more tunes from that release expansion pack during this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it, too. Do you? Yeah, I really do. I I hope the best for this episode. (laughs) I hope so, too, but we're off to an ignominious start. Wow! 48-cent word right there. Damn, nice job, Steve. Thank you. It took a little while to get this one rolling, but at least we're finally recording. Yeah, goddamn. It took took us almost an hour of of just farting around and technology failing and uh, me not having my act together. I would never insinuate that Steve didn't have his act together, but something kind of like that happened. (laughs) Well, I kind of didn't have my act together, but, you know, I I probably had it coming because you know what really pisses me off? What pisses you off? When nothing pisses me off. What have you done with Steve? I'm just having, like, I'm sitting there trying to, to tap my brain, figure out something that pisses me off, and I had nothing. The Seahawks beat the San Diego Chargers, at the, on the very last play of the game on Sunday, and I've been riding on a high ever since. And then I got home from work tonight to a great big plate of chocolate chip cookies without oh. chocolate chips, but with M&Ms in them. Okay, that's that's acceptable. Julie that's made acceptable some kick-ass big plate of cookies, then we had hamburgers for dinner. I had hamburgers before the last episode, and I was all blissed out. I ended up playing games with Allie uh, up right up until before we started podcasting, so I'm having a great day. It pisses me off that I've got nothing to lead off the show with. Wow, that's a first right there. Nah, I think it's happened once, maybe twice before, but it's pretty rare. Yeah, you're usually an angry, angry man. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it, it's amazing how much a winning football game that I have nothing to do with will affect my <laughs> mood for the next week. 
there, there's got to be something, you know, I don't know, psychologically wrong with me about that. Well, I guess it's not just me, though, because they, they always talk about, like, when a city wins the Super Bowl, the birth rate the next year explodes. Yeah, and they've traced, like, happiness. They, they've done surveys of men, and they had, you know, 8,000 different categories that they could fill in and then and then compare that of their overall feeling of happiness. And, like, in the top five things that make men happy was their sports team winning. Like it was job security and having uh, loved ones and something about your house and having your sports team winning. It was it's important. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I have to say that, you know, right up there with getting married, the birth of my children, things <laughs> like that, you know, being there when the Seahawks won the NFC championship was pretty goddamn high before they went to the Super Bowl and lost. But that was a big moment. You got to think that Oakland must just really be an angry city. They must, yeah. <laughs> wow. You know what pisses me off besides well, you, off. you not having anything to be pissed off about? The bloatware on my droid with the new update. I bought a droid phone partly because I hated iTunes so much and I hated I hated having a piece of technology that tells me what I can and can't have on that technology. And okay. that's that's one of the reasons I avoided the Apple iPhone. I wanted a smartphone, but I hated iTunes. I just didn't want to have to deal with shit that I didn't want to have to deal with. Well, I got a Droid, and I like it. But they rolled out this update to the software that they push into your phone, whether you want it or not. And it's equipped with all this crap you cannot get rid of without you know voiding the warranty of your phone and, and, and rooting it. So do you mean is that like I don't like need the... Amazon MP3 marketplace on my phone. I don't want the Skype mobile application on my phone. I just want I want the stuff I want on my phone. And I don't want the other stuff sucking down the battery and you can't delete it. It's like AOL in there. Why it's can't you delete so it? You you can like for instance if you have the Skype app or you have the Amazon app on my iPod I can delete those as easy as anything. It's just a matter of going into iTunes and removing it. Yeah, and any app on a Droid is like that too, except they integrated they, these new apps that came with the software and made them delete-proof. Like normally you put something on your phone, you don't want it, you take it off your phone. But uh, this stuff, it got stuck on my phone and I can't unstick it. <laughs> that sucks. It totally sucks. Yeah, It has so soured me on the Droid. Bet you're rethinking not picking up an iPhone now, huh? Well, you know, well, it's just six of one, <laughs> half dozen the other. I need a phone. Maybe I just need a BlackBerry. Cause... Maybe. But if you got the iPhone, then we could be playing words with friends in your spare time. So. Yeah, that's true. I would have more games. <laughs> and, you know, that's the most important thing, really. Is it really is. How many games you have. I'm just going to start carrying an Xbox around with me. Well, since I've got nothing else that pisses me off, do you have a uh, political rant this week? You know, I do. Nothing pisses me off like politics. And there's nothing more political than a budget. This proposed, the new proposed federal budget for 2011, which I believe they ended up not actually even passing. They're, they're kind of sitting on it. It's $6.69 trillion. That's, that's a big chunk of change. That is, yeah. And in this budget, the, they've proposed a deficit of one26 trillion dollars so to me to a simpleton like me that thinks wow maybe you should not not have a budget that's got a great big giant red number in it like that <laughs> i think that someone 
you know, maybe the opposition party should step up and say, this ain't right. And what do you know? Republicans, they all put on their big boy pants and they, they got in front of the cameras and, and looked like the stern parent going to correct things. And they released this bold new proposal they said was going to attack the deficit. And, and it goes something like this. Okay, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and Defense. That's the big chunk of the budget taco right there. That's that's most of the money we spent. Wasn't okay, defense, defense alone is like 55 or 60% of the budget? Yeah, I think it's almost it's almost 50%. I think it's like okay. 46. Yeah, it's it's big. It's huge. Yeah. So the Republicans said, okay, those those gigantic things we're we're not going to actually touch those except for defense, which they're probably going to increase that one. Okay, but their big plan, their big plan for this, what they will do, the only thing they spell out is they're going to stop spending money on the TARP program. And they say that'll save us $100 billion. So once again, simpleton like me, I'm like, all right, you know, I kind of think the TARP plan was necessary. It was one of the things that Bush and Obama and all the smart people agreed that had to happen to keep the country from catching on fire and falling into the lake. But (laughs) all right, $100 billion sounds like a lot. Well, to get an idea what this means, I saw this brilliant little video, and this is this is what they did. You take your average card table, and you cover that card table with pennies. Cover it five deep. You know, just make all these little stacks of five pennies until the whole card table is covered. Just, you know, you know how big a card table is. Right. Okay. On the left side of the card table full of pennies, that's the money we, we have to spend. That's called non-discretionary spending. That's That's not up for debate. And on the right side of the card table, that's the, what we're planning to spend right there. Now, Obama's plan would spend all the pennies on the right side of the table. And then the problem is about half of those pennies on the right, fully a one quarter of the pennies on the table are borrowed. So picture this. You got, you got a card table filled with pennies, stacked five high, and a quarter of those pennies don't belong to us. We're, we're spending those pennies, but we're borrowing them. That's the deficit. So the, the GOP, the Republicans' plan to attack this deficit is to take how many pennies off the table? One. Well, not, not quite a full penny, but if you could, like, make it three quarters of a penny. <laughs> That's their big plan to deal with this. And actually, when you get to the other part of their plan that has any specifics to it, they're not taking that three quarters of a penny off the table at all. They're going to leave it right there. But instead of borrowing the money to bail out the banks for TARP, they're going to borrow money and give it to the richest 1% of the nation by rescinding the Bush tax cuts. So you're still looking at a Shiite load of pennies on that table that we're spending that we don't own. And the big plan to rein that in is equal to nothing. When it comes to fiscal responsibility, there's absolutely no difference between the parties well, not absolutely. The only difference is who gets to steal that three quarters of a penny. Is it the banks or is it the rich guys? Right. So this plan to me is like if you made $75,000 a year, your household, but you're spending $100,000 a year and your spouse came up to you and said, whoa, we can't keep living like this. We're, you know, every year we are going deeper in debt. I've got a plan. We're not going to buy nearly as nice shoelaces this year. <laughs> that's that's their freaking plan. And that is my political rant. It's pretty annoying. It's totally annoying. The biggest freaking pieces of the pie chart, and they're not even touching those. 
you know what just blows my freaking mind? I, I am pro-defense. I, I like the military, but we spend more than any other nation in the world in defense, and not by a little. I mean, our oh, yeah. closest rival is China in terms of how much we spend. We spend seven freaking times more than China. Right. I mean, if someone came out with a proposal and said, I need to be strong in defense, we're going to spend four times what China does. That would be like almost cutting our, our defense budget in half, and we would still quadruple China's. It's freaking mind-boggling how right. much money well, we spend on defense. And can't we cut there a little somewhere? I, I, was, well, I was reading a book last year on the subject, and it was it was talking about that you know, we're still making things like nuclear submarines that although we have way more nuclear submarines than any country in the world, we're still making a couple a year at, you know, millions and millions of dollars. And you can't really use nuclear submarines to fight terrorism in Iraq or in Afghanistan. Yeah, so, that's... you know, if it just taking a couple of subs off the table, even though those mean jobs to military, military contractors... You know, and there's lobbies that keep things like that in place. You know, just taking things like that off the table would help stuff like that. And, and in many cases, the military doesn't want, you know, some of the armaments that they're contract to get. Yeah, that's the thing that just blows my right. mind. Yeah, like when, the, the, when the, the army or the Navy is saying, hey, we don't Navy want that. Want. And they're still making it because of the contract, the military contractors behind it. So. I don't know, man. All I know is. We're paying 7%. 7% of uh, the budget is now interest because we keep borrowing money. We're paying seven, not even paying the money back, just paying the interest on the money we borrowed. That's crazy. It's totally crazy. Well, let's listen to a tune. Yeah, that'll make me less furious. <laughs> this is Bren Starr from Metroid Metal. <laughs>
So this is Steve. And this is Gord. From the Bone Bat Show here at PAX 2010. And finally, we get to speak for a few minutes with Metroid Metal. Yay. How you doing, guys? Doing very well. Doing very well. So we've got... We've got Grant playing guitar. Dan, bass. Kevin, drums. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us, man. So we featured you guys last year. I first heard you at PAX 2009 and was totally blown away. I'm a big awesome. metal head from awesome. way back, and, you know, <laughs> to have the video games merge with the metal, that just hits my sweet spot. Yeah, so, I hear you. Right yeah, so how did you guys get started? Um, well, it started a lo- uh, about seven years ago or so with just doing the arrangements on a cassette analog 8-track, you know. And then uh, then Dan sort of joined in later uh, with, when the Super Metroid soundtrack kicked in, and then a couple years ago we just... We met some guys we thought could do the we could do the stuff live with, so we just kind of got everybody together and tried playing, playing it all live, and it worked. So we're we've been done several shows since then, and this is the second packs. It's yeah. kind of crazy. So you guys are kind of spread out. Too. We are. So you it's, yeah. you know you don't necessarily get together and practice that often. Do you? No, no, we're almost we're, never. We're, we're an internet band. <laughs> we're an internet podcast. Yeah. I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah. We right. have so much in common, <laughs> which is cool because various suites though, and now uh, expansion pack. Sounds really organic. It has, it good, has a great good. vibe to it. Yeah, you could. We have you a couple of secrets that I'm not such a divulge, yes, but there's there are reasons for that. Yeah, that, that, that it's it's intentional that it sound that way. Well, it's yeah. The, the sound of the new EP is great. I really enjoyed it. We were spinning it last night, and the the tracks that you played, we had played a song on Heavy yep. Half Hour. Yep. And uh, just to hear that expanded in the new live cuts uh, at the show on Friday night, that was fantastic. There, a lot of those just really nice crunch in it and sta- outstanding awesome. tunes. Nice arrangements. I love the way you guys do that. Yeah, we were really pleased with how various we turned out, and we kind of upped our game for expansion pack. Uh, learned a few new tricks. Uh, bought a few new pieces of equipment, and uh, yeah, we, we really are glad with really like how it turned out. It's it's good stuff. It's an upgrade. Yeah, it's an expansion pack. It's an upgrade. Yeah, clever time. Yeah, uh, for an EP, that's that's. Awesome. It just it just felt right. <laughs> okay, so what's next for you guys? Well, it was just announced that we're playing Magfest, which is the uh, in East Coast uh, music and gaming festival in DC uh, around New Year's, and. And uh, <laughs> and that's happening. I keep I keep collecting wild. items. Um, so yeah, that's happening right after New Year's. So that's that's the next show we have, and uh, there are definitely going to be more tracks on the way. But we've all been busy trying to get this, you know, CD together. Great. So, so where can our listeners find your stuff? On MetroidMetal.com. Great. It's all there. One last question: We always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show, what pisses you guys off? Oh, that's my. Kevin gets pissed off. Waking up <laughs> late on day three of a convention. Yes, actually today I'm more on point than I've been. So uh, too little, too late, as they say. But pisses me off. I mean, we ain't got that much time. Oh, flights, flights piss me off. <laughs> What about you, man? Uh, I don't get pissed off. Really? Never? Get even. Also, <laughs> <me> <laughs> I get pissed off when somebody sends a drunk guy to my room at four in the morning. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I just want your autograph, man. Oh. 
How about you, Grant? What piss? I don't. I don't know, man. I'm just. I don't know. I'm in good spirits this weekend. I'm can't. I can't think of a thing. You know, that's the can funny I, thing. Can I follow up with you later? Uh, like, absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. I, don't know, I got my coffee yeah, and we're all hanging out. Really pissed off. Right I know. Yeah, we're getting interviewed by Bone Bass. It's like I don't know. I would be pissed if we didn't see you this trip. I'm trying to get up for a while. So no, we're here. So everything all's well with the world. That's not a metal thing to say. No. You know, I think it's Pax. I think Pax is too mellow of a groove. We go to Comic Con. We didn't have any problem finding things that piss people off. Yeah, the packs, yeah. everybody's like, oh, I can't think of anything. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. the THC so that they've aerosolized and have just blown in through that the whole building. Everyone is just sort Fantastic. of happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank, thank you, guys. You. Absolutely.
right. Once again, the first tune we heard was Brinstar off. Hey, why isn't that Brinstar? <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to ask uh, Samus. It should have. I thought it was Samus. Samus or Samus Aram? Maybe. Samus. You know it's Samus in Super Smash Brothers. Is it Samus? Okay. I don't play that game very much because it gives me seizures. But Yeah, I have a lot of epilepsy when I try to play that game too. <laughs> that is the most garish, obnoxious game on the planet. My son loves it though. First tune was Brinstar. Then we got to listen to the interview with Metroid Metal and followed by this song, Criteria. Both songs were off Expansion Pack. You can pick that up uh, via www.metroidmetal.com. Uh, Expansion Pack is only four bucks. So, you know, pick it up. Holy shit. That's absolutely inexpensive and reasonable, wouldn't you say? So reasonable. The previous it's so CD, reasonable, I barely uh, have the words to describe how freaking reasonable that is. Buy it. How the, come you're not buying it right now? Stop listening to this podcast to go buy that, for God's sakes. The previous CD, Various Sweets, is also still available for 8 bucks. So for 12 bucks, you can get an awful lot of great music from Metroid Metal. Thanks again to Grant and the gang for the uh, time at PAX and the interview. We appreciate it. So, dude, multimedia triage. I'd like to talk about, uh, first, a couple of film festivals I attended recently. All right. Uh, two weeks ago, on a Sunday evening, I was able to attend the Maelstrom International Fantastic Film Festival here in Seattle, or otherwise known as MIFF. And, oh, see, uh, I thought that was MILF. I thought you were going to something totally different. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I don't think I'm allowed to go to that. I don't think the missus would give me a hall pass for the MILF convention or the MILF hmm. festival. This part of the show is about to be a lot less interesting than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Probably so. So anyway, I went and uh, checked out the Horror Night on Sunday, and uh, it was a pretty great time. They had a nice block of shorts. Particularly, there was a couple that everybody needs to check out. I didn't catch the director or the writer, but it was two uh, shorts called Elder Sign and The Necronomicon, which both come across as like public service announcements about the elder gods and Cthulhu and whatnot. And they're absolutely hilarious. You've got to see them. They're so much fun. And then uh, there were a number of good shorts in the block, but my favorite one was a film called Clemency which was this really, really well-acted, scary film. It, it drops you right down in the middle of, like, this chase abduction thing between a uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre-type killer and these two girls who are trying to escape him. And then it jumps years ahead after the guy is put in jail, and this reporter comes to interview him. And it was just absolutely riveting. It's called Clemency. And it was just a great short. It was my favorite of the night. So definitely one to keep an eye peeled for if you're going to festivals. A couple of other good ones. Uh, Alice Jacobs is Dead, which featured uh, Adrian Barbeau. Uh, that was really good. And Dracula's Daughters versus the Space Brains, which uh, had uh, <laughs> Dr. Horrible himself was in it. That was a lot of fun. All right. Yeah, it was a good, just very silly, cheesy flick, but it was very cool. And then after that... I got to check out a new feature that was actually filmed in Oregon, the Pacific Northwest ghost story, if you will, called The Presence, directed by a guy named Tom Provost. And it's kind of a slow burn getting started, and then it just has a ton of atmosphere. The scenery is absolutely beautiful. There's all these lake shots and forest shots of the Northwest. It's just a gorgeous film. And, you know, it's, it's not like a bunch of scares and a bunch of gore. 
but it was still just really well done and it was a good watch. I actually have an interview with the director right now, so why don't we uh, take a listen to that? Why don't we? All right, this is Steve from the Bone Bat Show, and we're here at MIF 2010 with Tom Provost, who's the director of a film I just saw for the first time called The Presence, uh, a fantastically atmospheric romantic ghost tale, I guess is what I would call it. I uh, really enjoyed it, man. Uh, how did you get the idea for this film? Um, well, we wanted to do something cheap and fast. We needed to do something with very few characters in one house. Um, but I also just my whole life had loved, loved ghost stories. And I always wanted to do one. And when, we started, when I started working on this, I figured instead of doing the traditional ghost story, why don't we just do one with a little bit of a spin on it? Uh, one of the spins being you see a lot of the movie from the ghost perspective as opposed to just the people in the house. And um, we also kind of cut the second half of a ghost story off, which is tends to be the investigation. Who is the ghost? Um, and we just try to make something, as you said, very atmospheric and creepy that even for a scary movie had kind of a sense of wonder, sense of dread all the way through the movie. And a sense of humor to it as well. There's a number of points where you're kind of, you know, you're chuckling at different moments that you've created in the film. <laughs> and I, you know, and that always releases the tension a little bit when exactly. you've gone through some suspense, and that worked very well. We, were, we definitely tried it, and I was very happy. Uh, again, tonight being the first time anybody's seen the finished film, it was nice to have people laughing at different times all the way through it. That was great. Yeah. Now, the film is absolutely gorgeous. Where did you film it? We shot it in Oregon um, at a little ranger's cabin in a national forest near Mount Hood. And uh, we just were very blessed with a great location. I mean, sometimes you could just turn the camera and get something incredible. At the same time, I have... My cinematographer's name is Colin Brink, and he is going to, I think, be very, very famous. Uh, He did an amazing, amazing job. He really did. And I liked... There's a definitely a Northwestern vibe to it, right. which is unique. You know, yeah. you don't see that every day. And then you manage to use kind of natural scenery also as part of the character. So if they get into a dramatic or a difficult part, you show like these maybe gnarly branches together or something like that that just worked very well in trying to establish that mood. Again, you're, you're using kind of a subtext with the cinematography. That was right. just, it was wonderful. You know, it's interesting because in the script, find the set at the beginning, the movie takes place on a little island. And in the script, it's much more specific that nature really starts to rot. And mm-hmm. you see all these really creepy things, frogs that are bloated and dead fish. And, and we were it was such a cheap production and we were moving so fast, we just didn't have the time or the budget to do that. Mm-hmm. But so we got all these gorgeous beauty shots and tried to find creepy branches. And then with an amazing editor, my editor Cecily Rett and our composer Conrad Pope, those nature transitions really have turned into, for a lot of people, a big part of the movie. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Thanks. So your cast was wonderful. Amira Sorvino and Justin Kirk from Weeds, uh, they did a great job. And I think in the script you really gave them a lot to work with. There was a lot to chew on and great right. conversations amongst them and stuff like that for a movie which, like you mentioned, the first 19 minutes is pretty much silent. Yeah. In fact, in the first 25 minutes, there's 90 seconds of dialogue. There's a little <laughs> bit at 19 minutes. But in actually over half the movie has no dialogue. We wanted to do something very visual, uh, try to, you know, show not tell uh, that Hitchcockian thing of pure cinema and um, but yeah I, I was just very lucky to get some amazing actors that liked the movie and what we were trying to do enough that they agreed to be in it 
Well, I really, money. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait for my wife to see it. Actually. Awesome. So, Thank so you so you, much. You mentioned that uh, this is the first time it's been seen in its final form by a crowd. What are your plans next for the film? Is it going to go you know, wide release, festival circuit, DVD? How are you going to do it? We're doing a number of festivals throughout the fall, okay. and we're actually negotiating right now with a domestic distributor. It's being sold foreign already, mm -hmm. and domestically, really, it's going to depend on we've got two offers who we sign with and what their plans are. I think what's probably going to happen is we're going to do a limited anywhere from 10 to 80 uh, city theatrical release and then do video on demand and DVD. We raise the money on our own and I'm obsessed with getting my investors their money back. Right. And a theatrical release almost kills any profit. So ah. if we do a small one, get a lot of publicity and then um, get to video on demand, DVD fast, mm. I can get their money back, frankly. Very cool. Well, you hear that, listeners. Uh, search this one out. It's going to be around, and uh, keep an it, eye peeled for the present. It should be around in the spring, definitely. All right. Now, one last question we always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show. Tom, what pisses you off? <laughs> Timidity pisses me <laughs> off, which was a little bit of a problem on the set sometimes. But I was very specific at the beginning of the movie. Don't him and haul with me. Just say what you mean. Timidity pisses me off. Fantastic, man. Well, thank you very much for spending uh, some time with us, and best of luck with the film. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. So once again, that was uh, Tom Provost, director of The Presence. Uh, thank you very much, Tom, for your time, and also to Eric and Isaac of MIF for putting on such a great show. I really had a great time. It was cool to hang out with uh, Seattle Geekly was there once again, so I got to chill with Matt and Shannon a little bit in between films and talk, and that was awesome, as always. And uh, it was just, it was a really good time. So uh, I'd say definitely check out Myth. And then following that, uh, I went to the Revenant Film Festival last weekend for my third straight year of a full evening of zombie goodness. I finally got to see that film Zombie Undead, which they had in their completed form. Uh, UK film uh, directed by Reese Davies. Dude, it was so Dude. good. For a low-budget zombie flick, there's a little bit of the shaky cam stuff. But really incredible acting throughout, great sound design, very tense, tight-knit story. It's uh, about this woman, Sarah. It starts out, she's with her father in the back of like this ambulance, and the father's vomiting up blood. Well, wow, that's nice. It's a result of like this terrorist attack, which released a virus that, you know, zombie time. And so the ambulance takes Sarah to this like high school gym where it's like a triage area for these zombie patients. And so they're all getting sick, and they figured out that one of the ways to, you know, to, to fight the virus is to do, like, the adrenaline shot to the chest. Yeah. And so the doctor does the, the adrenaline shot to her father's chest, and Sarah passes out. And she wakes up hours later, like, in a side room in this darkened high school, and there are zombies walking around. And so she meets up with a couple other people, and from there, it's just a really tense, tense film, and I really enjoyed it. And it's got a couple of shocks that are kind of punched to the gut when people that you care about, maybe they make it, maybe they don't, I don't know. But it's when you have a chance to see Zombie Undead, see it. For me, it was definitely the highlight of the festival. Uh, the other flicks that they played, Book of Zombie, which I had already seen at Crypticon, it's a great, very funny film uh, that was filmed here in Auburn, Washington. It's directed by Paul Cranefield and Scott Craigland. It was also written by Craigland and Eric Van Sant. And uh, every bit as enjoyable the second time. 
So keep an eye peeled for that one. It's probably going to be on DVD soon. The third film I saw was Last of the Living, which was uh, a New Zealand zombie film directed by Logan McMillan. Uh, it's been out a little while, so you can actually get that one now on DVD. So I, I don't know if you have to watch for that one on the festival circuit. And then finally, the last film of the evening was Dead Matter, which was directed and uh, written by uh, Ed Douglas of Midnight Syndicate. And honestly, I kind of hated that film. <laughs> it was this sort of gothic, uh, semi-romantic vampire tale with some zombies in it. And it kind of vacillated between being absolutely dull and utterly cheesy. Wow. And, you know, it. it was the last film of the night and I'm getting tired. And I, I just kind of stuck it out to stick it out. But I didn't enjoy that film. So... I wouldn't direct anybody to see that one. But the other films that were at the fest were great. Uh, Zombie Undead is worth chasing down if you can get a hold of it. Or, you know, when you can see it on either DVD or on the festival circuit, it's well worth your time. Really good, solid film. And Book of Zombies great, too. So, you know, two real winners there. Uh, I, I definitely will be attending Revenant again next year. I think they're moving it to Seattle. Mohai, the theater that... Uh, it has been in the last three years uh, is being torn down. So I guess they're moving it uh, perhaps to uh, downtown Seattle for next effort. So we'll have to see what happens. All right. So that's my film stuff. Uh, I got a couple other things, but what do you have? Do you have anything you'd like to talk about? Well, not nearly so much as you. I've not been going to zombie film festivals or, or anything. I read a uh, Christopher Moore book, Fool, which uh, if you've read Christopher, Christopher Moore's stuff, it's always, it's already... Always pretty entertaining, a little surrealistic, and usually pretty funny. This was his take on King Lear's Fool, set in some sort of a strange future past. And, I don't know, I like his stuff, but this wasn't one of his better works. I think any time you try to take on Shakespeare, you, you really gotta have your act together. He didn't really fully have his act together. Much, much more enjoyed books like You Suck or Dirty Job. If you're thinking about reading some Christopher Moore... Don't read Fool. Read something else. First. What about uh, Stupidest Angel? Is that what Still haven't read Stupidest Angel. That's Julie's favorite. She loves yeah. it. Yeah. I read the Biff. No, or Lamb. I mean, Lamb, everyone calls yeah. it Biff. Read Lamb. Jesus' best friend, Biff. Yeah. Yeah. His childhood friend. Well, his friend throughout his life, which was just never included in the Bible. Right, exactly. And yeah. then uh, I finally have been able to play Plants vs. Zombies on Xbox Live Arcade, which looks like it's every bit as fun as the computer game that my children hoard, with the exception of you can be the zombies in the Xbox Live Arcade version. Well, there's there's that one level you can do that, isn't there? Yeah, you're like, yeah, kind of. You're yeah. zombies with plant heads, but this, this you go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. One guy's running the plants, the other guy's running the zombies. So how, how does the placement work using the Xbox controller? Because I'm, I'm so used to using a mouse or the on the uh, iPod where you can kind of just touch the screen where you want to plant something. So how does it you know, uh, it's seamless. Kinda, it's really easy. Is it? Okay. You just move the joystick where you want things to go, and ta-da, they go there. How, but yeah. how's, no, I mean, how does it work with the zombies? How do you place, do you release them? Or are they in a queue? Like the nut rolling segments? Oh, where, yeah, you're in a... Those are, so it's like on a conveyor belt? Is that how you release the zombies? Or are they on a, no, or, no, just like you place plants, except instead of collecting suns, you're collecting these brains that come down. Oh, okay. And so you accumulate enough brains to buy the kind of zombie you want and let it go. Cool. Yeah. It's cool, and I've been I've been knee deep in Philip of Macedonia's uh, 
conquering or, or really uniting the, the Greek Empire in the game. Oh, God, I had to sneak up on this word. Hegemony. Ha! I said it. Hegemony. <laughs> Philip of the Macedon. It's by Longbow Games. It's a PC game that is an excellent, excellent real-time strategy moving your troops around, keeping your supply lines open, trying to keep your guys from starving when winter comes, setting up your troops to attack and defend, put your pikemen in the front, your peltas in the back, bows in the back, sweep people with your cavalry, you know, all the things you're supposed to do instead of just having a stack of units and sending it at another stack of units. You've got to use strategy to figure out where you're going to put your resources, and you've got to use tactics once you actually get into a battle. You can do all kinds of fun things, like uh, you don't have to conquer a city. You can burn their farms and starve them out. You can lay siege to cities, or you can take prisoners, send them to work in your mines. It's it's awesome. It's a fun game, and I really suck at it. And that's why <laughs> I never conquered the Greek world. That's why, right there. And you know what else is cool about this is it gives you little tidbits. Like, oh, you get a new general. It's, it's General uh, Cletus the Black. And then you read about it. Cletus the Black. You know, What's up with this guy? Oh, he was one of Philip of Macedonia's top generals until uh, Philip passed on to the, the afterlife, and then he became Philip's son's general, better known as Alexander the Great. And he did great working with Alexander until they got drunk together and Alexander threw an apple at him and he got pissed off and got in a fight with Alexander the Great. Never a good call. And uh, Alexander ran him through with a spear. So... <laughs> Yeah, learn little things like that while you're playing a game. So That's everything great. everything in the game is historically based. There aren't any laser guns or... As far as I can tell, I'm not actually a student of history, so this could be feeding me a total line of crap, but not as far as I can tell. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it sneaks the learning in on you while you're having fun killing. <laughs> cool. Well, I uh, actually, this last week, got a hold of a review copy of something completely different for me brand new game from Alawar Games that was called Twisted Lands Shadow Town. And it's, you know, I, I didn't really read the press release too closely. And it said that it was, you know, kind of a twisted Tim Burton-esque world, this dark fantasy sort of thing. So I go, all right, I'll check it out. Sounds vaguely pornographic. If by pornographic you mean hidden objects in a picture game, then yes, it was certainly that. Um, You're playing I Spy? Yeah, and kind of when I realized what it was, I have to say, I wasn't too enthused. You know, I'm used to first-person shooters. And so the idea of sitting there glazing my eyes over looking for a hairbrush and a stopwatch and a feather, you know, on a screen for 20 minutes doesn't sound that interesting. So I was not in love with that game mechanic itself. But the rest of the game is sort of like those old adventure games like King's Quest where you have to, you know, okay, you get this and you have to use it with that in order to accomplish a thing. And so you go to a number of different locations and combine items in order to kind of solve this and sort of Lovecraftian mystery, which actually had a nice twist at the end of it. And as I was getting towards the end, although, again, I didn't love the hidden object game mechanic, as I was getting to the end, I did find myself wanting to know how the game ended. And so when I finished it, it had kind of a satisfying ending. And then it immediately unlocked another chapter where this guy is being kind of besieged by zombies in this yard. And so you still have to do the hidden object thing, but it adds a little bit of kind of stress to it by knowing that there are zombies right behind you that are going to break through the fence. 
And so you, you had to do things like, you know, you find these little toy soldiers and you melt them down into lead and then you make bullets for a gun, which you use to shoot the zombies. And so it actually was pretty entertaining. It was a good time and I enjoyed it. You know, I don't know that this sort of game is going to make it very often into my playlist, but if that sort of casual game is your cup of tea, it was pretty enjoyable, I have to say. I wish this was a video podcast now so you could see the incredulous look on my face. Yeah, I was kind of surprised I enjoyed it as much as I did. Because this sort of casual gaming is not at all what I play. You know, the most casual thing I play is Plants vs. Zombies. So, you know, if you enjoy this type of game, and I know like my daughter has uh, some sort of midnight mystery for the DS. So I'm cognizant of the fact that that's a popular genre. Check it out. The, the one thing I will say, the cutscene animation is pretty bad. Even on, you know, 10 years ago level, it's pretty rough. Wow, that's that's too bad. But like I said, the nice little Lovecraft twist at the end, I enjoy it. So there you go. And then one last thing I wanted to do a review Oh, of. God, you just keep going on, don't I you? I do. No, this is the last thing. This is cool. The Seahawks this year have rolled out a thing at their games called Fan Vision. And, you know, I'm a gadget guy, so I got a hold of the Seahawks and I asked for a copy of this review. It's a little TV that you take with you to the games. And during the game, you can watch like three other games. You can watch replays of the game you're watching from different angles. You can check out stats like quarterback stats, running back stats, the section of the field that they are most likely to throw to. Basically, any stat you would want. It is the Does it have like a remote or a mouse? or how do No, you- yeah, it's, it's got like a little pu- kind of a push button dial on it with different directions and so you can click on a video button stats button and it is the coolest thing like so they would have a play where uh the coaches have challenged the ruling on the field right yeah and so you can sit there and like play it from three different angles in your hand on this like a little bit bigger than a ds size device and check out the play from different angles and say oh no there's no way they got to overturn that it is the coolest fucking thing and the cool thing is, for folks like me who traditionally you do the NFL Sunday ticket where you're paying for all these games, right? You get every single NFL game. But if you have season tickets, half the time that's wasted because you can't watch those games, right? Yeah. But with Fan Vision, the, one of the worst things about watching an NFL game live is the commercials. You've got a two-minute break while a guy in orange sleeves is standing on the field and you're waiting for a commercial to happen somewhere else. Well, while that's happening... You can sit there, oh, I'll watch a few minutes of the Colts game. I'll watch a few minutes of the Dallas Cowboys game. Sounds pretty cool. It is fucking great. I love it. I absolutely love this device. It costs 199 bucks, and uh, once you own it, it's yours. And from what I understand, it'll work in any stadium in the NFL. Oh, that's super cool. So, yeah, you go to another city, you go to an away game, you take your fan vision with you, and it works wherever you go. It is amazing, dude. Sounds pretty hot, It's man. funny because Liam was giving me shit, my uh, buddy that I go to the games with. He's like, oh, you're going to be watching the games all the time on that thing now, aren't you? <laughs> my, my only gripe, no cheerleader channel. Well, they should have that. They should have that. That's they should what have I'm the cheerleader thinking. cam. You just go right to cheer. Yeah, exactly. But that's, that's not some one of the available options. But maybe they can work that in later. Because there's, for the, the, the local game, you can get from, uh, like, the 25-yard line, midfield, the other 25-yard line. There are, like, a number of camera angles. It's neat the way you can kind of dictate what you want to watch. And then, like, for each replay, it'll tell you which replay is the best one. Hmm. And so you can immediately, you know, you see the little best icon, and you just scroll immediately to that one to catch that, you know, what they think is the best angle of the play. Does it say best? It does. 
So if you were a season ticket holder of uh, any NFL team, take a look at this. It's $199, and I could see you know earning out on this easily, taking it to every game. Uh, I guess a charge holds about five or six hours of, of juice, so it's more than enough for a full game. Yeah, even if it goes into OT. Yeah, pretty cool. So that's it. That's all I've got to review this week, man. Oof, you've been a busy boy. Should we do some filthy jokes and get out of here? We ought to. So this guy sees his friend. He hasn't seen him in a long time. And his friend is really not all that lucky with the ladies. He's, everyone has always just kind of thought he was creepy. So they start talking, and his friend, his creepy friend, goes, Hey, you know, uh, <laughs> I've decided I've got a new sexual position. He's okay. like, Really? I, this is surprising to me. Not even knowing he, he had an old favorite sexual position. He goes, Yeah, yeah, I call it, I call it the JFK. JFK? Yeah, I splatter all over the girl while she screams and tries to get out of the car. <laughs> that's totally fucked up. Thank you. Well, I've got one that's uh, semi-auto-centric as well. Okay. So, Harry and his wife, Priscilla, you know, times are tough, and they're having trouble making ends meet. So, they decide maybe if Priscilla turns a few tricks on the side, maybe, you know, that'll help them be able to pay their bills. She's not really sure what to go about it, but Harry says, okay, here's how we're going to do this. You stand in front of the bar and pick up a guy. Tell him it costs 100 bucks. If you've got any questions, I'll be parked around the corner in the car. So she's not in front of the bar for about five minutes, and this guy pulls up and says, hey, how much? She says, $100. Shit, I've only got 30 She says, hold on, hold on. So she runs back to Harry and says, what can you get for $30? Harry says, tell him a hand job. Okay, so she runs over to, back to the guy in the car, and she says, all right, for 30 bucks you can get a hand job." He says, okay. So she gets in the car, unzips his pants, and this guy is hung like a horse. So Priscilla stares at it for a second, and then she says, I'll be right back. She runs back over to Harry, and she says, Harry, can you loan this guy 70 bucks?" <laughs> ah, that was funny. That was funnier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Glad you liked it. So that's it for this week. Once again, I'd like to thank Metroid Metal for the badass music. Also, thank you to Eric and Isaac of Myth and Jeff from Revenant Film Festival for their efforts. Also, thank you to director Tom Provost of The Presence. Check that film out when you have a chance. Our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email at steve at bonehand.com. We've got new content here on bonehand.com every Sunday. And you can find my work, if that's what it is, at MightyWombat.com. New cartoon once a week. And you can follow me on Twitter at Mighty underscore Wombat. You can follow me on Twitter as well. I'm Bonehand over there. Or you can follow the show feed, which is Bonebat, all by itself. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thanks. We do appreciate it. Our final tune tonight is the same one we opened with. This is the Prime theme from Metroid Prime by the band Metroid Metal. Again, MetroidMetal.com. Pick up a copy for yourself. And that's it. Once again, this is Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. Ah, oh, you have a good one.
You're mine. Is that all?